Park yourself a beer or a cold libation. Let me tell you how I wrote this little theme. I went and took a call from brother Jason, and he tells me that he has a little dream. He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast, and I ask him what you got. He said I'll start off with some talking and some movie clips and popcorn fighting, fantasy explorations and some groundless exploitation, kickstarts that I'm watching and some blind unboxings, full month horror movie marathon. Sometimes I let the dogs come on, contest and of course you know it's all about games. I said slow down, let's just start with the name. It's the Nerds RPG Variety. With the other, Jason. Welcome back to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I'm your host, Jason. Happy New Year. Hopefully, by the time you listen to this, here in Virginia, USA, it is January 1st, 2022. That amazing little baby that's born on January 1st, of 2021, crawling around on all fours, and then rapidly advanced in age, and after 365 days was a hunched over old man, his white beard, nearly touching his toes, moving forward on three, two legs in his cane, and then passing. 2021 is gone, and we're into 2022. 2021 was not all bad. I may have broken a shoulder, which I didn't properly do physical therapy on, and still hurts, has some range of motion and strength problems. I may have contracted shingles. We may have had to say goodbye to a faithful dog, Tiger. But I also got to meet the geomologist and his wife, the Rodriguez family, in person in San Antonio and break bread with them. I got to join new gaming groups and game with new people. I've rediscovered my love of Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 1st Edition and currently am in three different, well, well, two and one spinning up AD&D games. So it's not all bad, but I totally understand the sentiment most people have for 2021, which includes the immortal words, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. 2022, the geomologist himself has already talked about his future plans. He's, his last show of the year was a summary of all the games he's in and talking about future games, which is great. A lot of people like to do New Year's resolutions. I've done New Year's resolutions in the past. I am not doing them this year. I plan to keep exploring AD&D First Edition, keep playing games with my friends. I, I do plan to limit the game systems I run. That's not to say I won't run the occasional game of Ninja City or you know something else may not get to the table, maybe. I'll finally get Bushido to the table for Shandy Andy of the now in hiatus unguarded treasure B-52 podcast. We'll see. But overall, I'm fairly hopeful for 2022. And I'm hoping this is going to be a good year, at least gaming-wise. In fact, speaking of good things for 2022, we have a new product on the market. And it's free. There will be a link in the show notes. You can go to itch.io and you can now get a copy of Trickster's Net, role-playing game in mini-campaign setting. You may know Barney Dicker from the Local Ludus podcast. He is instrumental in this. He put this together with Tom 
Burmeister, and they worked with a group of young designers out of Germany and Wales, and, and this started in 2020. So there's a link there. It talks all about the project. It, it's a very interesting project. It's a version of his League of Eternal Guardians rules, which is a neat game that I have played. So check out Trickster's Net in the sh show notes. You'll, you'll have a link to its page. It's free to download. There's It's only going to cost you your time, and, and you run the risk of actually enjoying it. So take that risk. Speaking of new products, James Schraw of the Subclass Act podcast has a new one out. It is called the Never Nexus. It's a small venture location for DERF. So James Schraw's podcast is an actual play podcast, and he rotates the system he uses. It's kind of interesting. Season 2, Episode 8, he uses DERF. Season 2, Episode 9 just came out, but I haven't listened to it yet. But yeah, so go check that out. Um, again, it's a pay what you want, so nothing to lose there. And there's a link in the show notes. We've had many things. We've had podcasts die in 2021 and also a number of new ones be born in 2021. There are now all kinds of things out there, including maybe too many actual plays. It makes me wonder, should I continue my plans to do a sporadic actual play on this show? But I will. In fact, this episode is going to have the first session of the party actually adventuring. They, they've been set up, we, we've been introduced to them, and now they're going to set off in the wilderness and have an encounter. So you'll have that to look forward to at the end of the episode. I've received a number of great calls. They're not going to be in this episode. All the calls I've received are going to be in the next episode, which will be a mailbag episode. So if you've called, I'm not ignoring you, but I'm just putting all those calls together in one episode. In other exciting news, we have The Witcher Season 2. I know a lot of, over on Netflix, I know a lot of people are poo-pooing it that like the books. It's catching some negative reviews. I thought it was fine. I, I didn't mind it, but I haven't read the books. I actually haven't played the games either, but I thought it was fine. I think there's more monster hunting and killing in Season 2 than Season 1, which was a lot of politics, so I enjoyed that. Cobra Kai Season 4 came out on the 31st of December. I have not had a chance to watch it yet. I have semi-high hopes, because so far it's been a really good show. But when I saw the season producers and designers talking about we're already doing the fifth season, and we have plans to go beyond the fifth season. It worries me, because you have some of these shows that are great ideas, and they just keep stretching them out and stretching them out and wringing every little bit out of the IP until we're all bored to death of it. I hope they don't do that with Cobra Kai, because I've really enjoyed it so far. And I'm definitely going to give season four a shot, but I, I'm very wary of the idea of doing many, many more seasons because I don't know how much more there is to tell with that story now that we've kind of redeemed Johnny. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Other exciting things for 2022. My convention calendar at the moment is pretty well set for physical conventions. I will be going to DaveCon in April. I'm running three games at DaveCon. They're actually board games, so I'll effectively be moderating three board games. They're all happening, one each morning. 
So it can be the first thing. You don't have to think very hard. You can go do the board games. There's TSR's 1980 game, Knights of Camelot, which is a role-playing board game. While it's a board game, you kind of have to role-play your knight. You can work together, or you can be against odds with each other. Uh, It's a really interesting early role-playing board game. I'm also running Pace Setters Chill, Blackmore Manor from 1984. If you've ever played the board game Betrayal at the House on the Hill, this game is the ancestor of that game. And it's based on the wonderful first edition chill RPG. The last board game I'll be running is ICE's The Lonely Mountain, Lair of Smog the Dragon, 1984. It's kind of like the TSR dungeon game. You you have up to six players. Well, really five players. If you have six players, the six player plays the creatures in the mountain. Each player plays an adventuring group. And they're trying to get as much gold as they can before Smog wakes up and comes after them. So I'm going to have fun running those games first thing in the morning, and then I'm going to go off and play in games myself. So join us for DaveCon in beautiful Minneapolis. I'm told that Rob from Down in the Heap may make an appearance, so you may get to see him. There'll be other less important people there, like Dave Wesley, the man that created Braunstein, who's going to run some Braunstein games. That's the game that predates D&D and, you know, really influenced Dave Arneson. Ernie Gygax will be there. Tim Cask will be there. Tom Wham, amazing artist and game designer, will be there from TSR. Um, Frank Menser will be there. You can have Jeff Barry, who's a friend of friend of Dave Arneson's and M.A. Barker of Empire of the Petal Throne. Uh, Carl Slicing of Castle Entertainment, who writes modern-day modules for these old games, is going to be there. Lots of people will be there. Come check it out. Join us. There is a link in the show notes. And I will be going to GrogCon in October in sunny Kissimmee, Florida. Looking forward to that. Those dates are not locked in. It's probably going to be the first weekend of October. Well, I guess technically the second weekend of October, like the 7th to the 10th. But it's not locked in yet. As soon as that's locked in, I plan to get some folks from Grog Talk on the show to talk about that convention. So look forward to that. Okay. With those kind of notes out of the way, let's get into the show itself. I was supposed to have a gaming recap here of Session 2 of Che Webster of Roleplay Rescue's wonderful GURPS Traveler game, Serenity Dawn. Unfortunately, real life imposed, and I was not able to attend that game. More's the pity. I'm sure it went great. Carl Rodriguez over the Gemologist Presents will probably give a recap. I'm sure Che will talk about it on his GM Journal. Yet to be a patron of Roleplay Rescue here at GM Journal. Evil Jeff, a Minions and Musings podcast, joined that game. I believe the session so he may talk about on that podcast barry of shadow the gm podcast is also in that game so possibly he will talk about it as well what i can recap is the new year's eve game of ad first edition in my online group I, I i say my group i'm a player not the gm of that group um but let me tell you the tale of a party as they set off for adventure we open back up at the inn we've been at basically the last two games. Lots of role play with this party. There were a couple fighters that we didn't hire on in a previous session. Well, those fighters came back and 
pled their case to join the party. We decided to let them rejoin us, splitting a share between themselves. We also did a little more intelligence gathering. Then we went down. We found the captain that the innkeeper had recommended in his boat. We did some hassling with him over price. We booked the journey. He agreed to divert to Saltmarsh. And when we got to Saltmarsh, he tried to blackmail us. When he saw that we were willing to fight, he backed off a little bit and gave us some coin and basically said, you need to make up the difference, which is still kind of blackmail. The paladin, of course, wasn't going to have this, but the the cleric agreed to his terms and over the paladin's will. And they came to shore. The cleric bought not only the barrel of ale that he demanded, but a second barrel of ale for the captain, sending it back with a message that, you know, this was a gift to him, and hopefully he would remember the kindness if his services were needed by us again. So we explored the town of Saltmarsh. You know, characters went to the Wizard's Tower, of course to the Shrine of St. Cuthbert, went to a kind of a bar where the elves hung out, went to a couple other bars, and just looked for information in the town, tried to find out what we could about this alchemist house. Turns out it's a reported haunted house to the east of the town. The townsfolk, or at least the council of the town, kept trying to find out if we were traders and merchants, and everybody in town, for the most part, tried to discourage us from going to the supposed haunted house. But next session, we're going to head to that haunted house. No, it doesn't sound like a lot happened, but again, lots of role play. And we have a pretty big group. So our our group all told is 10, not counting the animals. There's 10 characters there, of which there are seven, six, seven players. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of role playing, both between ourselves and with the NPCs. And it's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to when we actually get to engage in some combat. We'll see how that works out. But all in all, it's still a very fun game. Always great to play first edition AD&D. And that's not the only party that's setting off for adventure. We're going to get into my actual play now. But before we do so, I'm going to do my thanks to everybody because I know some people aren't into actual play. So I want it to be the very end of the episode. If you aren't staying for the actual play... Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Like I say, tune in to my next show for a mailbag episode. Lots of calls. Great call-ins from a lot of great people. I want to thank Ray Otis for the Coffee Cup Clip Art, TJ Drennan for the wonderful music, all you folks for tuning in and listening. And I will talk. If you want to join my show, if you want to comment about anything I've said here today or anything else, you can leave a message on Anchor. You can send an email to nerdsrpgvarietycast at gmail.com. If you attach an audio file to it, I'll play it on the air and make you famous. You can also find me on a variety of different discords. So thank you very much. I hope your 2022 goes great, and I look forward to sharing it with you. So I will talk to you next time, unless you're staying out for the actual play, which we're going to get to right now. Okay, a quick word of warning before we get into this. It's pretty... Uh, 
I guess it's low energy, you could say. I was recording it in the morning. I didn't want to wake anybody in the house up. And also, you, you know, my brain has to think as I'm rolling dice and going through things. You don't hear any die rolls, like dice hitting the table sounds, because I'm using roll 20 as I'm rolling the dice. So it's kind of, I don't know. You have to let me know if this is something you're interested in, or if you want me to do all this and then just give it to you back, read it back as a, you know, make it dramatize it where I'm not interrupting the narrative to roll dice and explain to you what the die rolls are, or if you want me to do all this ahead of time and then just read it to you, including the die rolls and all, but effectively like I'm reading off a script. I don't know how you want me to do it. If I do it real time, it's going to be, like say, you have to hear the gears of my head turn and I think that's going to slow it down. So I don't know if this is of interest or not, but it's a good reason to put it at the end of the podcast so you don't have to listen to it. <laughs> also, I made a mistake with the surprise, the distance. So the distance they are outdoors wouldn't have been 60 feet. It would have been 40 feet because you take the surprise, the dis- the segments of surprise, you subtract that off the distance as well. So they should have started 40 feet away. It wouldn't have affected anything in the combat. So it doesn't matter this time, but I'll have to be more attentive to that in the future. Anyhow, let me know if this is something you're interested in after hearing it, or let me know what you think I could do to make it better. And I'm definitely open to suggestions. And yeah, so without further prattling on by me, we will go to the actual play. As we rejoin our party, they're leaving the Elf King's domain in the forest, sent down on a mission. A shrine, or temple actually, it's fairly large, to the south has had some sort of problem, and they're being sent to investigate that. Mene, the chief cleric down there, chief priestess, has requested aid, so the party will go. Multiades. The ranger leads the party, the, the rest move down the road. He doesn't st- go too far ahead of the party, so they're moving as a group. He will not get his individual surprise, but his surprise bonus will count for the group where they're less surpri- they're surprised less often, but he won't be able to surprise more often because he's staying with them if we do roll a random encounter. So we do roll a random encounter. And because of the area they're in, I'm using a module called Shrine of the Oracle. Then, let's see. Ooh, Harpies. Excellent. So, Harpies can be very tough for a low-level party, as you may know. They, they have a charm attack that could easily disable a lot of the party. Although, having the pound in there might save their butt. So, what happens? Well, let's roll for surprise and go. The party rolls a six. They're not surprised. The harpies roll a two. They are surprised for two segments, which is about, what, 12 seconds, I guess. Um, but the party has, well, we, before we go any further, we need to figure out 
what the terrain is like. So they're still moving kind of through a forested area, so we're going to use the forest adjustment, which is minus one but we're, to the die rolls, but we're outdoors, so we're going to roll 64, and then we're going to subtract one from each die roll. Uh, four, one, one, four, one, one. So it ends up being three and three. So they're what sixty feet away. So actually, they're they're pretty close. Um, great. And oh, I didn't mention. I guess I should have before we. I I kind of jumped into this a, a little hastily here. So let me digress and talk about how each of the characters is armed and equipped as they set off on their mission. As far as equipment goes, both the Human King Caster and the Elf King have equipped them well, but no magic. The human side, we have Aegis the Paladin has been decked out in um, plate mail armor. He has not been given a horse due to the nature of the quest. Um, perhaps down the road, he'll get a horse. He is trained in use of a lance, though. So he has a long sword, he has a shield, and he has a horseman's flail. Hyman, the cleric that's been sent along to attend with him, has a footman's flail, and he is wearing chainmail armor. Cadmus, the dwarf, who's actually a fighter thief, who's along with them, essentially is the armor for the paladin. Because he's of a thief class, he can't do thieving outside of leather, I've got two options of Cadmus. I can either put him in armor and have him strip out of armor to do his thieving or just have him in leather. So I'm just going to have him in leather. He is going to have a short sword, a heavy crossbow, and a hammer. Um, as far as the Elf King's contingent... Multi 80s, the Ranger has a long bow, a bastard sword. Uh, pretty common for somebody with, you know, you know strong character with, with a lot. Um, let's see. Samimi and Sophia, the half elven cleric fighter, magic user sisters, will have chain mail, they'll have long bows, they'll have long swords. Um, pretty typical. So that is what we have equipment-wise as far as spells. Hyman the Cleric is starting with Bless, memorized. And the two half-elf sisters are more interesting. They get a number of spells. They get their magic user spell plus their clerical spells. And both have high enough wisdom to get two extra first-level clerical spells. So Samimi has memorized Comprehend Language for the Magic User Spell, Cure Light Wounds, Light, and Detect Evil for her Clerical Spells. Sophia is memorized Sleep is her Magic User Spell, and then Cure Light Wounds, Detect Magic, and Sanctuary. So, that is what we have for our adventuring party. As we revisit them, or revisit, get back to the adventure, I should say. They achieved surprise on these harpies. So what I'm going to say is they heard these noises in the woods, and they move forward, they creep forward. The ranger, multi-80s, 
motions for the rest of the party to stay back as he moves forward to see what's there. And as he goes forward, he sees these two creatures in front of him. And what he sees is this horrible mix of a... Of a he he reckon, is a trained ranger, and this being kind of a Greek-flavored campaign, he recognizes what a harpy is. But, you know, they have the the bodies of vultures and the upper torso and heads of women. They, they are medium-sized, so these are pretty big creatures. So it's I, I see it as a full-size woman's head and torso and then an upsized vulture body to, you know, to match that. And and they are a- attacking, and they, they have, there's two two women on the ground, that two human females on the ground, and they're being, one's being tortured, prodded, and the, the other seems, the other seems to be hopefully dead as, as the other harpy is, the second harpy is feeding on the one victim while the other toys with its prey. So with the two segments of surprise, what we're going to do is multi-80s will aim his bow and Herman will... I'm sorry, not Herman. Cadmus, the veteran rogue, will aim his heavy crossbow. Aegis, the gallant, is going to charge forward. He will be able to cover the ground this segment and attack next segment. But the important part here is that Sophia... Well, Samimi is going to cast... Well, she's not going to cast, actually. She's going to aim her bow. And Sophia is going to cast Sleep. So the sleep spell is the big deal here. They're th- harpies are three hit die creatures, so we may not need to do anything else other than the sleep spell. Um, let us see how many creatures are affected by the sleep spell. D4, got a 2, so that's both harpies asleep. Kind of anticlimactic combat here. Um, the second segment, if the sleep something one had still been awake, we would have peppered it with arrows and bolt crossbow bolts, and at that point, Aegis would have been on on the scene to attack it as well. And as a paladin, he his protection from evil would give him bonuses with um, the charm spell, but that's not needed. So, being chaotic evil creatures who who just maim and murder things. Aegis has no problem. He, he puts them both to the sword before the rest of the party even catches up to them. So, what do we have here? We have a, one victim dead and one barely alive. Samimi moves forward to provide aid to the, the poor lady that's still alive. She casts Cure Light Wounds and gets a four. So, four hit points are restored. The victim looks at her and we will pick up next session who have they met cliffhanger dun 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 but they got very lucky harpies are really deadly opponents for a low level party even with the paladin there i'm almost sorry that things didn't turn out differently because it would have been interesting to see what would have happened with the paladin's protection from evil and all that but especially with the, the way the monster, or I'm sorry, the DMG adjudicates monster charm, 
I think with the Paladin's protection from evil, if he had moved next to somebody that was charmed, it would, you know, not dispel the charm, but it would effectively uh, disable that charm as long as he was right next to him. So that would have been an interesting thing, but it easily could have been a TPK too if people all failed their saving throws. Paladin gets plus four on a saving throw, so chances are he wouldn't have. A couple of the characters get some bonuses, but it still is a tough fight. But the fact they were able to put surprise and put them to sleep, you know, made it kind of anticlimactic. So we will see. Oh, you know what we didn't do, though? We didn't do treasure, so I'm going to roll the treasure, and then we will end the session. But they're not going to have treasure yet, because they're going to have to interact with this poor victim that survived. But since I have you here, let's go ahead and roll that treasure. So Harpy's a treasure type C. So we have, we're going to just go across the board here and see what we get. I will do the rolls as I've got you on here. Okay, so treasure type C, there is a 20% chance of copper, 30% chance of silver, 10% chance of electrum, no gold, no platinum, 25% chance of gems, 20% chance of jewelry, and 10% chance of maps or magic. So I'm going to roll those now. Okay, so I rolled, I got a 23, a 77, a 27, an 18, a 27, and an 80, which means anything they got were gems. I rolled four gems, because it's one to six gems. And then when we go to the DMG and roll to see what they get gem-wise, I rolled 85, which is a 500 gold piece fancy stone, large in size. A 19, which is a 10 gold piece ornamental stone, very small. 76, another 500 gold piece fancy um, stone, large in size. And a 45, which is a 50 gold piece semi-precious stone, small in size. So we will go with that. Um, there is an option of giving some variety to the, to the value. Um, you can roll to see if it's, you know, d different from the normal value there. Um, but I think we're just going to leave it as is this time. Um, and those stones are on the harpies themselves. And that is where we're going to end it though, because as some, somebody in the party probably Cadmus is searching the Harpies. The rest of the party is more interested in the survivor that they're going to talk to. So I hope you enjoyed it. I will be back next time. Well, next, next time we revisit the party, we will meet the person that they've rescued. Talk to you later. <laughs>
pretty sure he took a pretty head And the only question left is if that fatal shooting dead Bring on the gold, bring on the gold I want some more, bring on the gold Well, your butcher is a dustman and your moil is by a zipper And I'm assuming that your partner back there in the wood shipper Don't look away Zombies are arising and the world is gone to hell. We're living for the dying and we're dying for the train wreck.